it excites me on a daily basis, John. Really, I mean, it's just you know, just, it's such a you know, because every day is different. And I think that whole seasonality that we get through, right? You know, as you move through the year, different fish are being are, be, are being caught. This is Fish Tales, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. In today's podcast, we revisit Martin Bosley, famed New Zealand chef turned fishmonger, at his business, Yellow Brick Road. From his base in Wellington, New Zealand, Boz services the who's who of New Zealand restaurants with a range of seafood sourced directly from fishermen throughout New Zealand. Along with working with a broad group of fishers to maximise the quality, his knowledgeable, personalised service is highly regarded by chefs. He is genuinely passionate about the products he sells and is eternally eager to share that knowledge with his customers. We catch up with Boz to hear how the past few years have been in seafood in New Zealand and to seek his thoughts on what's to come in 2023. Uh, yeah, so Martin Bosley is my name. Most people call me Boz. Uh, and I'm uh, Yellowbit Road is the seafood company that I own. And we're based in Wellington, um, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, but we supply seafood um, right around the country from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South. You know, it's, it's, it's been over, overall, I have to say, it's been really positive, John. Um, you know, Auckland was still locked down in, um, in summer last, uh, you know, that last, this time, not this time, just after Christmas last year. So they had a really rough time getting into it. But the rest of the country sort of came out guns blazing really towards the beginning of the year. And uh, and it's pretty much continued through. Restaurants have been well supported. Um, they've um, shifted their thinking and their, you know, the way they're approaching what they're doing. Uh, so I, I think they're the better for it. Uh, and they probably agree with that. Um and uh, so overall, it's been it's you know it's been a good year. The weather has played havoc really with us uh, in terms of um, seafood supply, which has been you know uh, we've probably had more our oyster farmers have had more days closed this year than they've had in history basically, um, which is a climate change issue I think probably more than anything. Um, but overall, I'd have to say so it's been a really positive year for uh, for us all around. New Zealand's relatively small population supports a diverse and progressive food service industry, which like many places throughout the world, was subject to dynamically changing rules and regulations regarding COVID restrictions. We were closed for months and months and months. So I said it wasn't as extreme as, as, as Victoria got, but we got, but what, we, what we had, John, was this, was this stop, stop, start thing where we were told you could go. We had this sort of, you know, this green light, red light, orange light system that was brought into place, and then there was restrictions around you could open, but you could only have so many people, and it was very, very confusing. You know, if you're a bar, you could have this. If you had an outside area, you could have that. None of which seemed to make sense, and um, and because you know they said right, you can open, and then literally 15 days later, at one point they said no, no, you're all closed again. So it was, you know, we we you're constantly sort of struggling as to do we do we don't we are we aren't we. You know, it was it was a it was a real struggle to, to get any sort of momentum going. Twenty twenty one was horrendous for that, um, and but so with that came a real caution as to how people reopen. So finally, this year when they said, okay, in twenty twenty two, we're going to be back. We're going to slowly you know re- reduce the restrictions and ease and ease them off. People are still very nervous about. Well, you know, I won't buy too much in case we get closed down again. And the general public were also like, well, we might not book that just yet because we might get shut down again. We might not be able to have that. So there was a real air of uncertainty around everything, which probably took a good several months, I think, for that to really shake before people started to feel confident again about, okay, I can go out again. 
I can book that dinner, that that wedding, that whatever. Um, but we still we're still seeing that caution though from the restaurants in terms of um, menu sizes and purchasing habits. That's you know that's really changed. Although isolated from the rest of the world by significant distance, Kiwis by nature are adventurous travellers, often found in all four corners of the planet. With COVID limitations on travel, they quickly took to exploring their own backyard, proving to be a boon for food service operators around the islands of New Zealand. Just went gangbusters. The regions here kind of, I mean, like the region where I live, Greytown, which is an, an hour, hour, hour out of um, Wellington, like in the, in the South Wairarapa, which is, you know, wine growing country. Um, you know, the two things that got this region through were, were tourism uh, and agriculture. Uh, and Hawke's Bay was the same, you know, like, we, we, as you just said, you, you couldn't travel overseas, but you could travel locally. And New Zealand tourism, you know, that money they would normally invest and spend on the offshore market, suddenly had to turn that around and go, right, now we need to spend that locally. And that was interesting because that was something they'd never really had to do before. So, they, you know, they, they never really focused on what was what was here at home. And um, one of the things that came out of that was, was this sort of uh-oh, sudden realisation that, oh, Look at that! There's a food and wine tourism type thing here, right on our doorstep. We've been we've been telling people that, but we've never actually really looked at it before. Uh, and that's continued on, you know. Even though as the borders have opened, um, people are still out there exploring, you know, exploring their own backyard. It's been great for the regions. New Zealand has a surprisingly diverse range of regional seafoods, with local seafoods only being found in particular areas. With the boom in regional demand and an increased interest in the eat local movement, regions began to take advantage of their local seafood. It's been it's, it's been really interesting because it's um one is we were encouraged to spend money locally, you know it was like you know sp- you know sp- spend money where you you know where you you know shop where you live kind of thing. Um, so we you know we rather than you know they, they started to focus on like well actually does come what is coming from my region that they never really looked at before. Um, and so it almost became a case of hyperlocal in some respects, uh, and it was amazing. Like you know, they you know they didn't know that some of the stuff was actually harvested, landed, fished, or whatever you know from within their region. And also, they expanded their view beyond their region slightly as well, because you know again you know we don't you know we, while we're, we're we're a very narrow country, we're a very long country. Uh, so you know you, you kind of tend not to go broaden your you broaden your horizon out, but you broaden your horizon breadthways instead. Um, so chefs started to sort of go, actually, I might have a look at that. I might, you know, we will we, we'll take that. Um, so they also started to look, and because of that, they then started saying, you know, because all the snapper that was coming out of Auckland, for instance, that was going in the South Island, we, you know, they started to go, actually, well, what am I, you know, what is being caught locally for me? And they started looking at those local fish. It was great. Finally, you know, finally. Wild seafood supply worldwide continues to be under significant pressure. Increased catch restrictions and regulations combined with an increase in demand has had the effect of putting great pressure on supply of seafood in New Zealand, just as it has elsewhere in the world. We've, we've struggled, you know, it's, um, so, you know there's, there's, there's changes within the, the fishing industry here itself, cameras on boats, that kind of thing. Um, so a lot of guys are getting out of it, a lot of day boat uh, guys aren't fishing, diesel costs, um, lack of crews. Uh, so boats, you know, boats are going out to try and fish longer to fill the hold with a bit more fish. So you know that that's you know that's been a problem. Also, try, say trying to get crews to, to man those boats. Straight, you know, a run, a run of bad weather has meant we've had days where boats haven't gone out to go fishing uh, at all. 
Uh, and I said, Tomo, one of our oyster farmers, said to me that day, he's been, he's been closed 192 days this year, which is 100 days more than he was closed any other in, than any other year. Um, you know, down to weather. So, you know, we've we, you know there are guys getting out of the industry, as I say, because of this. You know, the legislation. We've seen massive quota reductions. Fifty uh, percent in Harpuka, for instance. Forty um, percent in Tarakihi. You know, it's uh, so you know those governmental changes don't help either. Because um, also, what you know, what does, that does is drives up the price as well, right? You know, because uh, the demand is still there, but the you know the supply is being squeezed. Uh, so you know, it's it's definitely had it's definitely had its challenges for sure. Seafood prices have gone up globally throughout and post COVID, and New Zealand has seen some drastic price increases as supply tightens and demand increases. I mean, salmon went up, fries went up, but went up by fifteen percent, like literally, like next week. You know, it was like you can't do that. And like, well, we have to, you know. And and I thought, how am I, you know, how do I go, go to our guy, our clients, and say, okay, the salmon's just gone up by fifteen percent? Previously, you'd have been lynched. You know, two percent would have would have, would have would have caused a ruckus. These guys just seem to they this, this time around they went, yeah, okay, because it's not the only thing that's going up, right? You always you always think that you're the only one putting your price up. Yours is the only product going up, but they're seeing it across the board. Chicken went up, lamb went up, beef went up. So it was so it was just part of a whole thread of things that you know that the price is you know increased. I don't know how they're absorbing it because the the cost of main courses don't seem doesn't seem to have gone up that much at all. And uh, and here we're still um, because of the staffing crisis we've got and within hospitality, you know you've got restaurants that should seat seventy doing fifty, um, you know the, the restaurants that should be doing lunch five days a week doing lunch one day a week if at all, uh, and just doing nights and you know, open for four nights rather than five or six nights, so they've you know they've, they've reduced their opening hours down to suit their staffing levels, so you know their income must have dropped but you know their, their fixed costs are still the same. Um, but the main courses don't seem to have gone up that much either. The, the Corollias, those restaurants, say to me, we've never been more profitable. But they became really careful about the size of the menu. And I say one of the things that we saw immediately was a drop-off in seafood purchases because I think they felt that, you know, if, if, if Auntie Jacinda decided to, you know, just shut us down again, um, meat could be frozen, whereas fish had to be given away or cooked or whatever. So, you know, one of the first things that went off a lot of menus was seafood. Uh, you know, it was just it was just gone, and people that were say getting ten kgs of fish a day or a week or whatever, you know, they, they were halving that amount and going, I just want two kgs. And if they sold it at lunch or dinner, then they might get another two kgs the next day. Like you know, their the, the, uh, their buying habits changed dramatically to reflect the sort of this nervousness that there was there uh, about what might happen. And so, as the year has gone on, that's freed up, you know, and and we're back, and you know, we've just, in fact, November was an absolute cracker month for us. It was great, one out of the bag, really, um, you know, which you know, which is great. But the, the, the but the but menus still seem to be small, but changing more frequently. As supply has tightened, so too have chefs looked to non-traditional species to menu. The need for chefs to become more creative in both dish design and the procurement process has become an imperative that Martin is servicing. One of the things we've seen this year, which has been really interesting, that I've really struggled to keep up with, has been octopus. You know, I mean, a few years ago, I was trying to push octopus and say, you know, this is a great product, and you know, it's a, you know, it's a great price, and it's a bit of a money maker, and it's got versatility, and all these sort of things. And no one, no one was taking me up on it at all. And this year, it's been like, you know, you know, Paul's got any octopus? We just want the tentacles, and we want this, that, and the other. I'm like, well, all of a sudden, like, did you guys all read the same book or something that? You know, has Josh Nyland just done a new octopus recipe that you all want to give a go, you know? 
and you know they're, they're all out there. Um, so we've seen a, a shift to like I guess kind of more intriguing, interesting, um, you know, you know, unusual fish. You know, if that's if octopus can be called an unusual fish, um, that they wouldn't we wouldn't normally be a staple of our menus in this country uh, is now becoming increasingly increasingly one. Um, we've struggled to get crayfish this year. You know, real struggle on crayfish uh, for a number of reasons. You know, the Chinese market being primarily one of them. Uh, again, weather, divers, etc. Um, demand. Um, so we've struggled to get crayfish for the domestic market. Uh, so I think that's seen a, a, a switch away from, you know, because they can't get it, they go, well, we've got, you know, what else are we going to have instead? Um, so something that we would never have been able to sell here before, weirdly, Queensland spanner crab. Um, you know, because again, it was imported, it wasn't local, etc., etc. Well, now we're selling truckloads of it. Several new aquaculture and wild catch fisheries are coming to market in New Zealand, creating some exciting options for fishmongers and chefs. Well, I mean, you've got, we've got the guys down in Vicargill who are, who are, who are slowly starting to farm uh, white bait, you know, commercially. Uh, they reckon they'll be up, you know, they're up to sort of two or three hundred kilos at the moment. They reckon in a year or two years there'll be a commercial, a year-round commercial supply of, uh, of white bait. Which, which we huge for us here because, I mean, this year there was no white bait, basically. Again, climate and other factors. Whether, um, you know, hardly anybody was going out uh, and, uh, and, and fishing for that. So, you know, so if that can come on stream, that'd be great. Um, there's the NIWA, you know, which is our um, Atmospheric Water um, Research Institute. Uh, I've been playing around with uh, farming kingfish up at Ruakaka uh, to prove that that basically can be done. So they've got a model there that's now that you know that, that's really for commercialization uh, for someone to take on uh, and the fish is good you know like it's, it's um they're small they're small fish small kingfish um but they're tasty um you've got the guys at new fish which are a, a, a bit of a sort of bioscience uh, research facility in auckland and they're working with the chef of vaughan Mabe out of um, armisfield uh in uh, in queenstown he's developed a um a power saucisson like a mortadella uh, with a kudaboto pork and power, or a black abalone through it, which is an awesome product. You know, so that's like a long log, like a salami, uh, and uh, sliced. But they're also looking at an algae-based version of the same thing. You know, so there's some really interesting sort of innovative products coming, you know, coming out there that are, you know, that are worth, definitely worth looking at, and um, that have probably got longevity attached to them as well, rather than just, oh, you know, that's a bit of fun. There's always been a strong shellfish eating culture in New Zealand. However, the popularity of oysters and clams in New Zealand is at an all-time high. This popularity may be being driven by the growing interest in regional food and culinary experiences. Bringing on new oyster, um, you know, oyster, oyster growers, oyster suppliers is always, a, you know, is a real, is, you know, oysters are a real, a real passion of mine. It's always been something that we've been, we've been pushing as well, is to, is to put in that whole provenance of an oyster on on menus and uh, so we're, you know, we're, we're getting that engagement now and interesting also what's happening is that the customers, the clients are understanding that finally as well. Um, yeah, that's been, you know, that's been really good. Uh, that's been another sort of real positive sign. And again, that's something that's probably come out of that regional tourism thing that happened. Uh, is a bit of an awareness of that, you know, people who had never gone to the Bay of Islands before now going there and going, did you know they grow oysters up there? I'm like, yep. Yep, I did. <laughs> you know, you know, so they, they, you know, they, they're kind of seeing that now as well. So it's, um, you know, and we've got also we've we've got chefs who've um, 
who before have never really sort of wanted to get out there amongst it, now contacting me and saying, right, we're taking our, my, I'm taking my crew away, just putting you know next year's travel plans in place. We want to go and visit the oyster farm. We want to go and see the guys at Cloud Bay Clams. We want to go. You know, they they are wanting to take their teams out to see where the product is coming from and how it gets to them, uh, which is which again is it's kind of like a new engagement for us also. Where there's um, you know where there's that level of excitement from them going oh okay, because I think quite often chefs here have looked overseas and gone ah oh, I mean you know I think I said to you before God if I get asked for razor clams one more time, you know we like we just don't have them in this country but they see. You know, they read a book from overseas, whatever, and they go, oh, razor clams. I want to do razor clams too. And you go, well, don't, we don't have razor clams, but we've got Cloudy Bay clams, these amazing clams. Oh, but they don't do razor clams. No, they fucking don't do razor clams, you know. But now, you know, that, that, that sort of seems to have finally, you know, finally stopped. Like many in the seafood industry, Boz is seeing a return to simplicity in the preparation, service, and enjoyment of seafood. Oh, yeah, for me, you know, for me, it's, you know, it... I reckon my eating gets simpler and simpler each year, John. You know, at um, you know, the better the seafood, the less I do to it. You know, really. And uh, you know, in fact, I was um, saying to some people who are coming up for, um, for Christmas Eve dinner, I said, like, whatever you want, right? I said, nothing's a problem. I'll cook whatever you want, right? Don't think, oh, that might be too hard. It's not too hard for me at all. You name it. What do you want, right? And what they wanted was 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 just a beautifully cooked piece of fish on asparagus with some potato puree next to it. You can't go wrong, you know. You know? And you know, so we, even so even when given the choice of like going, you could have. Oh, yeah, there's caviar in the fridge if you want caviar. There's there's crayfish if you want crayfish. There's you know whatever. No, no. Give me a simply well cooked piece, a simple well cooked piece of fish, some pure potatoes, some buttered asparagus on the side, and that you know, and that and that'll be me. And I'll probably start with a dozen or two oysters beforehand, of course. Because it would be rude, because because it would be, it would be, it would, it would be rude not to, uh, and uh, and that and that'd be me. You know, maybe got a crayfish over summer at some point. Yeah, we'll head, um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll hit the coast and do a bit of diving and see what comes up. Boz is an eternal seafood optimist. He's keen to see both chefs and consumers to continue to explore the lesser-known species, and is looking on into 2023 with a focus on encouraging everyone to just simply eat more seafood. Uh, I'm looking forward to things settling down a bit, um, that we get a bit more stability in the, you know, within within the industry in terms, of, you know, around, around catch, that we, you know, a bit of the nervousness goes, you know, goes out of it, um, and a bit more sort of guarantee around that, around around supply. Uh, and I'm looking forward to sort of chefs actually you know, again, like you know, starting to experiment a bit more. Summer's coming, you know, real seafood time of the year for uh, for chefs as well, and uh, and 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 for, and for us. Um, and for them to sort of start focusing again, really on those, you know, as we, you know, as I've said before, like those those lesser known species rather than you know the you know snappers now forty five bucks a kilo, right? So you know they needed to look at those sort of twenty to twenty five thirty dollar kilo fish. Well, that's your mokies and that's the trevallies and that's the you know the, um, uh, the 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 monkfishes and the, the yeah, again look finally flatfish, finally flatfish are starting to move. You know they, they're finally recognising that you know flounder on the bone on a plate is actually a bloody good thing to do. You know and so you know again after harping on about it for a couple of years and I'm going no oh, I don't like the bones now it's like you know what size of the flounder you've got. So so you know that's quite exciting as well that we you know that we're seeing a, sh- a dynamic shift in their thinking. Uh, so you know, looking forward to being a part of that, and you know, and encouraging that that way of thinking as well. 
This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.